You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You're listening to the Way Station Podcast with Megan and Stephanie. Welcome to the Way Station. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The Way Station encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay, and please come again. Hello, and welcome back to the Way Station. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Megan. Um, we're laughing because I was eating some jalapeno chips, and I, I swear to God, like some of the jalapeno powder, like Just went up one my up nose right before the intro came on. So I was afraid I was going to start talking, and you know, maybe snot a little jalapeno out of Just my. Just watch her freaking sinuses good. go crazy Not for the like snot, the next ten minutes. The chip. Did you just eat one of my chips? Yeah, you want one he of mine? Did. Oh my god! No, <laughs> damn it, damn it, Shim. <laughs> so okay, so today we have a guest host, as we typically do. We've got two of them. Why don't you introduce yourself, guest hosts? I mean, it's it's atypical. It's, it's, it's hi, I'm Jason or Shim. I've been here like ten times. <laughs> you, yeah, you know it's twice already. It's okay, right? It's kind of nasally. Hi, I'm also Jason or Shim. I've been here like eleven times. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Tom. Uh, y'all know Tom. <laughs> so we got a full house today. We actually have. Oh my god! For like the first time in forever, we have Jess here. Yay! Woo-hoo! I miss you guys so much. We miss you too. I mean, not that like we love having Dave, you know, do the shows and stuff, but it's just been like so long since we've seen you. I know. I miss you guys a lot. Yes, this ridiculous. is Saturday. I'm of network. I'll see you me. guys next week. Okay. I'm <laughs> a sorry. year later, like, we're oh, like, hey. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I suck. It's all good. It's such, such as life, man. Yeah, we're all exactly. here today. We're together. It's a beautiful <laughs> Saturday here in Royal Oak, Michigan at the beautiful Podcast Detroit Studio. So uh, we got a lot to talk about today. And then we do have a um, an interview. At, coming up at just after 6 p.m. with Howie Knoll, and we're going to discuss his graphic novel, Float. Float. So, and we will be accepting um, calls during that time. Um, if you want to call in during the interview, if you have any questions for Howie, you can call us here at the studio, 248-579-5295. So, I'm sorry we don't ever give you that number any other time, so you can tell us how horrible of a job we are doing. Right. And if you know what? Okay. I'll open up. If anybody feels like calling in while we're talking about the, the stuff I have on the feel list, free. feel free. I knew you're probably not going to, but it's cool. It, so yeah. anyway. It's, it's all right. Yeah, it's cool. So uh, I know that no, I don't think anybody else in this room has seen Atomic Blonde or The Dark Tower, right? No. no and, and don't worry. Um, no spoilers because yeah. I haven't. So I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. I just This is the first time I've actually seen two movies like on opening night. I have this weird thing about crowds and – but the Cinemark by our house, you can, like, reserve your seat. So oh, I don't have to worry nice. about – That and there's also enough space so that you're not, like, feeling up the next person. Yeah. Do you have anything is. fancy over here like that? Well, I, isn't the – oh, I know the, the – The Imagine's the not imagine like that? should be. I don't know. I've never gone. Yeah, so maybe I spoke too soon. Probably like that. I think they have like the nicer leather chairs and all yeah. that stuff there. I don't know. I've never been know. there either. So I haven't could be been fun. there in a maybe while. I'll have to go see him. I maybe. haven't been there in forever, so I can't remember. Um, I have a feeling while you might not be spoiling anything, you might be ruining something. Well, if you catch my drift. Well, which you're not catching. No, are you catching my drift? Am I catching too hard? Your drift? No. Oh my God. Whatever, he, whatever he's alluding to is just like going over my head. So, well, I'll talk about Atomic Blonde first because that one came out a little, it, it came out um, last week. So, I want to talk people, about Tokyo Drift. 
No. Right. Ding, 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 ding. That's Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Uh, so Atomic Blonde, uh, Charlize Theron, she does, um, it's a, it's like a spy action movie and she does, um, a lot of, like, I think she does all of her own stunts. Just about uh, almost all of her own stunts yeah. from so just like, like the Aeon little Flux trailers. Too? She is, uh, no. that movie was, she was badass <laughs> in that movie and she's badass in this movie. I mean, she, she makes you want to go kick ass. Like she's, she super pumped me up. Now I was really looking forward to it. She's like, I would divorce my husband in two seconds to be with Charlize Theron. She is like my... Um, but what if it was Charlize Theron from Monster? I don't care. I love her. Oh! <laughs> I love her. You know what? I don't judge people like that, Tom. Jeez. You do. Judgy McJudgerson. You do. No, I don't. Anyway, anyway, back to the point here. I would marry Charlize Theron in a heartbeat. I'm a big fan of hers. Um, and I still knew I was going to like the movie, no matter what. But it wasn't... Um, there's, a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of scenes of her just like looking really pretty and like walking. So it's like it was like a lot of that. It was like a I'm theme good. throughout the movie. Uh the action sequences were great. Um and I think that's what really made the movie the the spy aspect was kind of I mean it wasn't super strong. Um it didn't really need to be because it's really just an action flick. It's like John Wick. It's like, you know, you so thin plot to sell all the action. Right. And you know, this, like the revenge plot from John Wick and all that. So it, it is what it is. I enjoyed it. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Um, I thought that it's definitely interesting if you like action movies and there's good, like a lot of good acting. I so. love action movies, so I'm totally down to go see this. Yeah, and she's And like, Charlie's Theron. She's excellent in every movie I've ever seen her in. Yeah. She's, there I isn't one movie she's been in that I haven't liked. That's what I'm saying. Like, she's just good in everything. And she's, like, <clears throat> gorgeous. Yeah. So, dear all you people who think models are dumb, just remember she started out modeling. Yeah, and so. she's a humanitarian. She does so much work yeah. in South Africa. She's fantastic. I just adore her as a human being. Not only is she hot, but she's got the brains. I would fight you to marry her. Okay, well, but we I love sister wifer. So. Oh my god, let's let's share <laughs> just, her. That we'll is just sister way wife. better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is turning into a very interesting <laughs> turn of events here. <laughs> Megan's just nodding, like, hmm. <laughs> um, if I'm correct in remembering who all was in that, if you wind up with the one from Monster, I think you get Christina Ricci also. Oh. Yeah, with a really bad haircut. Yeah. Oh my god, that haircut yeah. was so. It was so hilarious to see her with it because I'd never. I mean, they just. It just transformed her face into something different, you know, with that really bad haircut. <laughs> Still love her, though. Um, and then uh, The Dark Tower, and I know a lot of people, this was like a really, I mean, how, Meg, how long would you say they were, they, they've been talking about making I this into no, this a movie? Forever. Literally, like, at least a decade? I mean, it's hard because ever since they did, what was it, like that two-part movie way back when... Uh, the miniseries for it? They, no, not the miniseries. There was they did a Dark Tower miniseries, didn't they? Um, I don't think so. I think because um, I thought it tanked. They did a bunch of miniseries, like they did the Stand. Um, they did it. They I did. I swore they they've done the Dark Tower. No, the, there was uh, Ron Howard was originally in talks to um, do the movie, and then we're going to do a TV show, and then do another movie. Like they had this whole like. Universe thing. The TV up. series is still happening, according to a lot of news okay. outlets. So there was a miniseries. No, there was not. You might. Have just but they were them. talking about doing a miniseries or a TV show. Yeah, I got but it. then they did the movie. 
but they say in the TV show is still going to happen. They're still going to do a TV series. Okay. Right. So then I just got things flip-flopped. Yeah, I was going to say, it was probably okay. another Stephen King yeah. series. Yeah. I, got it, uh, I got it pulled up if you want the quick rundown. Uh, the, the rights were originally uh, purchased in 2007. So 10 years. And originally mm-hmm. they wanted um, – I just had it, but there was a, a. They wanted to do like a movie and then a TV series and then another movie and right. kind of like back and forth on that. That was like the original. I don't know if it was the original, but it was what the most recent plan until they just decided to make this movie. Well, mm-hmm. and apparently, yeah, and they, they were also talking about too. Like they're already talking about pot, you know sequels to this movie, and mm-hmm. they they can definitely do it. But I just wanted to give my thoughts on it. And I'm going to do this uh, spoiler free, but as somebody who grew up reading The Dark Tower, it, it's. Stephen King is one of my favorite writers, and I, like, get really attached to my books. You know, like, if I read a really good story and it sticks with me like that, like, these characters are, like, family members to me. And I'm going to be completely honest. I went in there with no expectations. I knew it was going to be different from the books. I knew it. I walked out of there depressed, sad, and I cried, which sounds really lame over a movie. I, 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 and I went in there, like I said, not thinking it was going to be like the books, but it's the acting was really good. Everybody did a great job with the acting and everything. Mm-hmm. And, th- and I know people who've read the series who actually liked the movie, and that's cool. And the people that I went with liked the movie. They've never read the books. Are so you depressed and sad because it did not do, meet up to it, you. Did not meet up to your expectations. Well, not, I wouldn't even say expectations because clearly she had none. Yeah. I, I went but, in going, this could be a turd. But I mean, Idris Elba is like always in good stuff. Like he's a fantastic actor, and I was really excited to see him as Roland. You know, in that in that type of a role. No, I was upset, like bad upset. I, mm. I, I left the movie feeling like I waited a decade, and somebody just took a fucking torch to all seven of those books and just said, "Burn, baby, burn." Eight. So that's well, eight. The the other one's an aside. It's not important to the plot of the, the original seven books. Just so saying. I know Just that saying. it exists, but I'm not counting it in the Dark Tower series. <laughs> oh my god, rude ass motherfucker! You right um, now, <laughs> did you see that look in my eyes? Where I felt did it. Did you feel it through the back I, of my head? <laughs> well, no, I know. Well, the, that's the the eighth book that just came out a few years ago is just a side story that like Roland tells while they're like staying inside of a cabin. Um, during like a, a windstorm or something, so it, it doesn't really further anything important to me anyway in the series. But yeah, no, um, I I really felt like uh, somebody took a fucking steaming shit on me. That's nice. that's what that's my personal now, experience yeah. with so this movie. Was somebody that knows shit. the material might not be happy with what they did, but as a film product that like I've never read the stuff, I don't right. know shit about it. Do you think it would be a good movie for a layman? Um, well, yeah, like I said, uh, I went with a couple people who hadn't read the books and they enjoyed it. They said it was good. You know, they liked the acting. They thought, you know, the action, like they liked the story. So, I mean, it's getting like really crappy reviews and I I can see why because, I mean, King fans are diehard fans and like I said, these books become a part of Meg, – Meg, Meg is like this – a lot with books in the same way. Yeah, if you I really mean, connect to your I book. haven't. I personally haven't read The Dark Tower. I know it's been out there. I've heard of it. I know the just of it. It's just I have never gotten a chance to read it. But I got them all, baby. With I got them all. <laughs> tons of Stephen King's works. I've I've read several of his books, and the ones that I have read have always been like 
rereads. Like, I love it. I mean, and that's just because I love his work. But yes, mm-hmm. you, when you read a book, it was the same thing with me when I when I read uh, Aragon. Um, I big nerd. Like, oh my god, dragons! Ah! Um, <laughs> is that the noise you make? <laughs> yes, that's a dragon. That's the noise I make when I see a dragon in my head, and I'm just envisioning <laughs> no. it flying around. But anyway, um, so when she's over watching Game of Thrones at my house, and the dragon comes <laughs> she, out, she's what god, make that sound. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Let's don't, not get into that. Don't let that. her fool you. When right. she's at home, she's like Dracarys, and then the dragon goes. <laughs> Eh. <laughs> Peanut butter baby. <laughs> anyway, um, but with Aragon, I was really upset because the book was honestly, to me, the book was really good. The movie didn't live up to the, the book. Mo- the movie tanked so hard, I wanted to cry. And I've wa- and I watched it, and I tried to enjoy it. And I mean, granted, yes. If it was for some kid who wanted to see dragons and a bunch of cool, then yeah, that's for you. But for me, I, I was severely depressed. I watched it before I read it, and I thought it was a kind of subpar but okay movie. And then I read the book, and I'm like, God, that's shit. And yeah, the mm-hmm. movie was shit. Like, and I and I haven't even finished um, the last book that they put out. At my actually, I read it, gave the book to Miles. Miles read it and continued reading it. So um, he kind of beat me on that point. But it, it's <laughs> I understand how you feel when yeah. you watch something or when you read something that really hits home and you love it and you you know that's just it, it's like it becomes your life. Like right. it's part of your life. It's these characters. You they're know my these family. Characters. Yeah. And then you, you Zeta gave me strength when I didn't have strength. Like I mean, there, you take these characters. I mean, maybe it's it's not all people. It doesn't happen like that for all people. But for me, I'm very um, invested in what I read. I'm very connected yes. to it. I'm very empathetic. I feel way too much. I, mm-hmm. That's why I cry at books. I cry at movies. Like I get too involved. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was it was a rough. It was rough for me. But I know people who. Have read the series, love the series, and like the movie. So I don't know if it was just my personal experience, yeah. but it for me it just didn't. some people can look past stuff like that. Um, I kept I kept trying, I kept trying because I had that problem with Lord of the Rings. I'm yeah. watching yeah. the movies and I'm like, they're leaving out this, they're leaving out this. I'm just they thinking of all the crap that they left out. I wish and the stuff that they didn't do, the stuff that they did do, and it's like, well, some of the stuff they did, they did really well. I, but I wish and that they. I overall, wish it's the movie turned there out. There was a good could have been better, but. or book to movie adaptation that spoke true to the book, with adding maybe little bits and pieces of mm. your own. You know, personal take on what maybe should have happened. You know, that's fine. Nobody will ever do that because you'll never get enough studio executives and that I, all agree wish. that's what you should do. Right. But I, I know. But I just <laughs> wish that we could get that one book to movie adaptation and just be like jaw drop to the floor. Like that's completely how I fucking imagined it. Right. And then some. Well, I started writing. I started writing a screenplay for The Gunslinger like back in the day, like when I was like twenty or something like that, and I was doing it exactly like from the book everything that was in the gunslinger was going to be in the script i was not going to cut out anything i mean the gunslinger is a shorter book too so i mean you could you could take that entire book and make a movie out of it and fit everything in it now the other books further in the series are like you know a thousand pages or whatever i don't you can't (laughs) there's you know so much material there the movie just it just felt like compressed and but that's why you record it all and then, okay, the studio says we're going to edit it down from eight hours of footage to two hours of footage. Right. And then let them butcher it and then still put out your director's copy of 
all eight hours. Right, exactly. Yeah. I wish they I wish Peter Jackson would have did that. That like, would have been cool. Record it. Let it happen. You have a ton of production money. Just record everything that's in the book. And then let the studio use what they want to make a movie. <sighs> Obviously, they did that with The Hobbit and stretched that shit into three fucking Yeah, films. that was like the exact opposite. They put in stuff that didn't need to be in there. It's yeah. the shortest book he wrote, and they made it into a trilogy <laughs> anyway. Um, they, they could have made like nine Lord of the Rings movies, you know, but they made three Hobbit movies instead. Oh, my God. I, yeah. After the first one, I was like, nope. I didn't even watch the, the second two um, Hobbit movies because it was just – it was too much. It was <laughs> – in again. my opinion – I just want the edited version where it's like maybe three and a half hours long. And I like all the, the Legolas uh, bullshit's gone. Yeah, <laughs> I like the um, animated Rankin Bath version from like the seventies. Oh or, yes, that Hobbit was excellent. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say uh, that when you're talking about like like pretty faithful translations and how um, you generally would have to have a shorter book. It, it wasn't perfect, but I would say the first Harry Potter movie is a pretty good example it, of getting in as much material as you can and still have to be like movie length. Right. No, I agree with you. I, uh, yeah, that's a very good example. Yeah, I mean, clearly the books get much larger and entire subplots get dropped. Oh, yeah. Like the whole house elf thing, mm-hmm. like the spew campaign of Hermione. That's yeah. like never, that never even comes up. They never even really dwell into the fact that they're basically slaves. Right. You know, I mean, Dobby gets freed, but. You know, just as one plot line that gets thrown away. But, like, again, you get books that are, like, like 800 pages long. What are you going to do? Right. Exactly. Um, and speaking of movies, uh, I made Jason watch The Void last night. Yeah. Um, we were going to watch Ghost in the Shell and talk about that. But then Stephanie wanted to watch something good. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Ghost in the Shell wasn't bad. I, me, I haven't seen it yet. I got it on my computer. It's just kind of waiting. I was waiting for you to watch that. I think it held up that. the source material, or at least to the because animes, well enough. I didn't realize. I, I watched The Void, and I didn't realize what The Void was. I was like, oh, I'll just watch it. And then I'm like, oh, my God, Stephanie, watch this. Please. I've, I've watched it like three times because like, I, I uh, found it somewhere on the internet like a few months back. Um, and then now it's on Netflix. Yeah. So if you haven't seen The Void and you love horror movies, you absolutely need to go see this movie. Oh, thanks. I know what I'm doing tonight. It's, yes. it's, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's like very like Hellraiser-y. It's, it's um, like, it's, it deals with like cultists and yes. like, it's, it's very well done in it. I loved it so much because it just throws you right into the action. Yeah. Like, it doesn't give it really, you a lead up. No, just, it's just kind of like, bam, there you are. Shit is crazy, like, right Hey, it, it kind I of, love when movies start like that. Like, yeah. hit me hard right from the beginning and engage me. Yeah, it, it just, it, I, like, last night I watched, every time I watch it, it's like I'm watching it for the first time. I just, I love this film so much and I think, I, well, sorry. You know, you, I, I want to hear your opinion um, because you've, this was your first viewing of it when, so. when it. when it first starts out, like there's a lot of there's a lot of talking, a lot of action, but like there's and I, I'm going to try not to give away spoilers, but but it, it is in one sense, you know, a monster movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's there's like the one monster in the beginning, so it, like it, it gives you the sense that it's going to be kind of a slower burn, but then it just kind of like kicks it up to 11 right and all of a sudden and and it's like yeah it's like it's it's a little bit hellraiser it's a little bit in the mouth of madness it's a little bit silent hill um yes in fact and the way i the way i interpreted it it's it's kind of a lot silent hill but we we talked about that and i don't want to really give it away but with like the cult thing the to it to a smaller extent um trying to find your way around a place that's 
inconsistent mm-hmm. and and the maddeningness of that the esoteris ter, esotericism of of like the plot lines and how there's a lot that's like conveyed to you without actually explaining what the hell's going on but it's not in a way that's like disappointing mm-hmm. the things that they don't answer partially make it even more horrifying than it would be if they like i said if they made a right. prequel that explained everything they would probably ruin it <laughs> right and yeah. they shouldn't they yeah. shouldn't do that no just think. leave it it was it was good it, yeah and then, honestly if they made a sequel i probably wouldn't even be half upset with that i would like to know what happened at the end well yeah they, they show you in the end they have there's a scene at the end of the movie and it leaves it open to it definitely leaves it open for oh, a sequel. Yeah. So Yeah, sequel, fine. I'm just saying, like, don't go back. Even in a sequel, don't explain everything. No, no, right. no, no, no. Yeah, just, you know, just keep going. Um, and <laughs> just keep being weird, guys. Keep just being keep weird. Going. The other thing, too, like, initially, the because, the, like, the acting's good. And and I really liked, cause, like, seeing her finally in a different role, because I haven't seen anything else that she's been in. But Ellen mm-hmm. Wong, who played Knives Chow in Scott Pilgrim, plays kind of like this irritating bitch in this movie. Oh, she does. But, and it's, and it, she's really good at it. But like the acting's good, but like the, the, the film work is a little off. But I think that was on purpose because like it gives you a sense of uneasiness once like the shit starts hitting the fan. Right. And like the practical effects, um, like the first time I saw <sighs> the first monster, I was a little bit like, I, it, it set the bar a little bit lower, but it wasn't bad looking, but I'm like, oh, okay. And then it just, again, it takes it up to 11. Right. It gets just ridiculous. Yeah. I thought when I first saw it, I was like, okay, what is this, the thing? Like, is this a weird, (laughs) like, new take on the thing? Like, hey, we're not in the middle of Antarctica, but we're going to be in your your backyard neighborhood. Just (laughs) with creepy shit. And I was just like, oh, man. And then, no, yeah, it takes a turn. I don't want to say for the worse, but. For the worse, literally, not <laughs> like the movie's good. Yeah, the but. movie's good, but it just everything just goes to shit there. Yeah, things yeah. get crazy. <laughs> there's some, there's you know axes and stuff. Things are happening, but yeah, definitely go check that out if you haven't. Um, there's a lot of gotten stabbing. A to see it. Oh my god! <laughs> when people get stabbed, well, like they, they show all those cultists out in the parking lot with those crazy knives. I mean, but like, like there's, a, there's a scalpel. There's a few knives used. There's this. There's a character who played a, a character named Knives in another movie. I already brought that up. <laughs> I'm not going to count that, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very it crazy. Very yeah. stabby. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Another thing we wanted to talk about is uh, Splatoon 2, and, and we've talked about it on the show before. Meg's, Meg and I used to play one as much as possible whenever yeah. Jason was over. Because um, we don't own, I, at least I don't own Nintendo products like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a 64. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> I splurged and I bought myself. Oh, wait, we have a Wii. There yeah. you go. Yeah, we do. It's just not hooked up to anything. I've got my Wii. Oh, it's up, a, it's a paperweight right now. We just now. weren't playing it. Yeah. My, I have the Wii U that's backwards compatible. Um, Which is nice. I also have the Wii that's backwards compatible to the GameCube, but I cut out the, the Wii, and I just have the Wii U and the GameCube hooked up because I don't need, you know, all three. Right. They, <laughs> they overlap. Decisions. But yeah, you you uh you bought a Switch this generation. And yeah. So, did I, so we both have Splatoon two. Yeah, I bought it specifically for Splatoon two. I don't know what else I'm going to play on this thing, but for one, you cut out the GameCube and you get the Wii, and then you do the Twilight Princess hack. 
And then you have all your GameCube games and your Wii games. <clears throat> That's how I think. I got of your the uh, I got wow. the Twilight Princess. Um, Just kidding. The re-release and it was You're gassy. Super fun, <laughs> super fun, and then Breath of the Wild. But we're not we're not here to talk about. Breath we're of not the here Wild. to talk about Breath of the Wild. We're here to talk about this ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so they have this thing called Splatfest, and I think it happens like once every couple of months, where you there's like two things, and you have to pick a team, and the teams like compete against each other um, in matches, and whoever gets the most points, and yada yada yada. Like you get certain what is it like you get these shells? you get these seashells that let you modify your gear, right? Basically, so this. It's based on two things. It's based on the rank you get to, and it's also based on the popularity, like who picked you know which side, and also based on which side won the most matches. They kind of work the three together, and that's what your reward is. Right. Um, so they were doing this in, with the first Splatoon, mm-hmm. and uh, we played. We've played our fair share of Splatfests. Yes, yes, we have. So it's been a lot of fun. So. <laughs> This is so disgusting. So the team's t- uh, today's Splatfest, as we're recording this, and uh, the teams are Team Mayo and Team Ketchup. So before before you get to it, and I'm going to let you explain it. <laughs> um, I, minor giveaway. I just I, she'll get into it, and I'll let her. I'll let her do it. But um, I was talking with a friend of ours about Splatoon, and we were like, you know, they've never used like white or black ink. Because if you haven't played the game, you shoot ink, and you're, the, go- the overall goal of the base game is to cover more territory than the other team. Mm-hmm. And like, there's, there's, it's usually bright, vibrant colors, so they've never used white or black, but they've always stayed away from red as well. And we were like, well, it's supposed to be kid-friendly, and probably the red would look like blood, so they're not going to use it. Right. All right. Tell them about the Splatfest, well, Stephanie. Okay, so it's Team Mayo versus Team Ketchup. So guess what colors they use? They use white and red. And red. And... um. It looks like, I mean, for people who listen to Metallica, you've seen the cover of Load, right? That's what it looks like. So yeah. basically, it's like this is a kid's game, and it just looks like somebody just had like a wet dream and got their stuff all over the place. And then it looks like, you know, the other half of the map looks like, you know, 80 people have been stabbed to death. And it's just, it's so ridiculous looking. It looks like... Bloody jizz. I mean, that's basically what it looks <laughs> yeah. like. Let's not let's not forget too that the um, the two main the the, the there's uh, a lot of like all the races in the game are based on sea creatures. Mm-hmm. You've got like your little jellyfish people. You've got your um, the shrimp dude. You've got the urchin with like the one eye. Um, the like the underground race that like nobody like talks about are like the octarians, and they're all octopus based. And then the one you play, which lives above ground are all squid-based. So you've already got these characters running around with tentacles hanging from their head, which is already a fetish. It's so weird. And and you're <sighs> shooting jizz out of a gun onto them, yeah, onto their faces. Yeah, so, yeah, it's what it looks like. Well, sh- we were playing it earlier, or last night, and... Um, he, the screen like froze, like like he you had shot somebody or mm-hmm. something, and it froze on this guy's face, and he just had like white white crap on his face, and it looked like you know, looked like a. It looked like somebody had a really fun Friday night. Is what it looked like. You glazed them like Krispy Kreme. <laughs> the other, the other thing too, like no, nobody. It's 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 intended to be nonviolent, and honestly, I think I think the player base 
is probably it could be fifty fifty kids versus an adult, you know, because it, yeah. it's, it is we're appealing adults to all and ages. We play it. <laughs> um, and I've been spending a lot of time on the Game Facts board, and a lot of the people there are adults. Now that's skewed because I don't think six year olds are on Game Facts, right? Still. But they definitely play with their weeds. But so like you don't kill each other, or but you can switches. take your opponent out of the match for like a few seconds by shooting them with your ink. Okay, well if you shoot them with your red ink, they explode into a fountain of blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like. And then, you know, you, you shoot him with the white ink. And or a fountain of jizz. It's, yeah. it's, it's just so... It's just so off-putting. Sounds like a really good band <laughs> like, name. Like, I've, I've never... Like, I mean, Patrick versus SpongeBob was, like, pink and yellow. You know, Autobot versus Decepticon was, like, red and purple. Well, didn't they do, like, cats and dogs? And it was just, like... Yeah, I don't even remember. That was probably, like, orange and something else. I don't know. Yeah, they just picked, like, like, two random colors because it's, like... Oh, God. Like, what were we talking about? Well, yeah, what were we talking about? (laughs) What did I say? And then, then, you know, Mike perverted it into lemon tarts. But I was like, I was like, why don't they do chocolate cake versus yellow cake? And then it can be poop and pee. And then we can have all the bodily <laughs> fluids covered. <laughs> then we can, just, we can just get them all out of the way and be done with it. <laughs> let's, get, let's get gross up in here. I mean, yeah. they already did it, so. Well, then you got to do like green versus tan, so it's like earwax and boogers. Okay, that's just, that's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there we go. Well, you know, that's just the perfect lead in. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we've got a a few more uh, topics to discuss. And then um, after our 6 o'clock break, we're going to have Howie Noel joining us. So stick around. We'll be right back. Bukake. Hello and welcome back to the Waystation. I'm Stephanie. Megan. Jason. <laughs> Megan. And Tom is also Megan. <laughs> Basically. Uh, so, okay, th- there's this thing that uh, anybody who's been on Facebook, I think the last... Like week or so, I've been seeing it. All, like a bunch of my friends have been doing it. It's, I don't know really how to pronounce it. It's Saraha or Saraha or Saraha dot com. Yeah, whatever. Basically, what it is, you sign up for it and then you like post your link and then people can leave like random comments. You don't know who wrote the comments. It's just like they can it's write like whatever an, they yeah, want. Just an anonymous. Thing. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to grab my phone really quick because I, I did a little experiment this morning. I, I saw a lot of people were doing it, so I was like, you know what? This could be interesting, and it would be something fun to talk about on the show. So I started one this morning, and I had a few messages the last time I checked, but I'm going to grab my phone really quick, and uh, we're going to look at my my messages because the there's yeah people people are crazy. In the mean <laughs> in the meantime, while. I think I'm just going to share this one. Um, I was telling them earlier today that a girl that I went to uh, school with, um, she's on the curvier side and she calls herself curvy. She's very like she's I I don't want to say what's the word I'm looking for. She's body positive. Like, she doesn't care what size you are. She doesn't care what size she is. She's just really positive about life. And, you know, it's not like she's out there trying, you know, forcing people to eat Twinkies and, like, just be fat and be – no. She's, like, just – she's just her. She likes food. She likes to eat. She likes to do her belly dancing. She's really good at it. And, hey, you know, girl, do you. But um, she did one of – she did the Saraha or whatever and – this person left a comment saying, the truth is you aren't curvy. You're just overweight. I love your personality, but you shouldn't go around praising yourself saying that you're curvy when that's not the case at all. To me, that is downright disgusting. How could you tear someone down for loving themselves? 
and what's the point? You're actively – I mean, you open yourself up to it when you do this, which is yes. the shitty part of it. But yeah. you have to expect that you're not going to get, like, positive – like, uh, everything that people are going to say about you is not going to be positive. Exactly. So um, – but at the same time, it's like, what kind of a shithead do you have to be to, like, crap on somebody else's positivity? Well, and that's, you know that's, what? That just seems like to be... Well, it's real easy when just, it's anonymous. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because that person's obviously not going to say it to her face. Well, no. The, the thing is, as soon as you explained what this was to me, my first thought was, oh, okay, it's another way for people to be horrible on the internet. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because that's all it is. Yeah. All pe- people right now are so confident with being keyboard warriors yeah. because, hey, you can't come over my house... I mean, you probably could, but you're not going to. So I have all the power because I'm sitting right here. You're not in front of my face. I'm just going to tell you how it is. I mean, I'm not going to defend that kind of behavior, but like, unfortunately, like that's exactly what I would expect out of something like this. And you know what? At least, hey, at least she knows that, you know, there's people out there that apparently just don't care. And you know what? She's like, apparently they're not a friend at all because it's basically like a backhanded compliment. Oh, I like your personality, but you don't call yourself uh, curvy because you're not. That makes no – that's just – to me, that's just disrespectful and disgusting. Elephants have really good personalities. Shut up, Tom, because I will throw this phone at your head. (laughs) We we were just talking about this. I'm complimenting elephants. Nothing about your female friend. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Tom is not anonymous. I can tell you where he lives. If you right, we have his address. Just don't fu- don't fuck with the house because Meg lives there too. Okay, and they have two gorgeous dogs. Don't fuck with them either. Bring it. Just and if yeah, I bring find out Tom. that's you, I swear to God, I'll just come and kill you. Tom, too. We'll just stick Tom on the porch, and you know there'll be a street fight in the, your front yard. Um, so okay, I, I apparently have eight messages now. Um, my favorite message. It was the first message I got. It just says. No. <laughs> it's a one word message. It just says no. I'm like, no what? Like, <laughs> That's totally Dave. I, like, I don't know who I don't know who did it, but it, whoever did it, you are hilarious and I love you. Like it just cracked me up. I'm like, I don't even get it. But see, all everything on here and on mine is positive. So it's I guess it's I only have eight messages, so it's not like from like a ton of people, but um, you know, I'm on social media a lot because of like my writing and you know, I do the this podcast and I do shot of history and stuff like that. So I have a lot of Facebook friends. Um, and so I don't, I, this, these could be from anybody, but everybody who's <laughs> has been really nice. Apparently somebody out there has a crush on me, which is adorable. Aww. I know. I mean, these are, these are actually like, uh, Nice messages. I was hoping for somebody to be like, you was a bitch or something like that. Okay, <laughs> no. fine. I'll have to go on there. Yeah, then. And then I'm going to know it's you, Tom. <laughs> it's no longer anonymous. <laughs> but um, it's kind of interesting because... I did it like as a social experiment, not because I need like validation on who I am as a human being. Like I don't need people to tell me I'm awesome. I don't seek that type. That's not like who I am. But it's just interesting to see like what people will say, you know, when they they don't or you don't know it's them. You know, there's there's a lot of good stuff on here. So I'm not really going to read it, but um, I was hoping for something bad. Man. I was looking at the terms on there. And it says that it will not disclose a message from a logged-in member. So if somebody leaves you a message and they're not logged in, it's possible that that information could be disclosed to you on who did it. If they're logged in. If there's a way to track who that person is. Because it says they they will not disclose logged-in members. Oh, so unlogged-in. If there's a way to find out who you are without you logging in. 
I'm going to find that you. That information can come back around. As seen as how, you know, Big Brother you. collects every single piece of data, they probably know. Yeah, I'm not worried about uh, losing any files in my computer because I know the NSA has backups. So, you know. <laughs> you know. Google does. Facebook yeah. does. Yeah. NSA does. You know, they say cloud storage is, is it's just somebody else's computer. It's the biggest cloud storage is, you know, the government. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that makes mm-hmm. sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we'll we'll get off that topic, I guess, for now. I mean, just – for those of you out there who, you know, if you want to know what people think about you, go ahead and uh, sign up and just wait. Wait till you see. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I signed up the other night and it didn't pop up. Like nothing. I've got nothing. So I was like, I don't know whether to take this as a good sign or a bad one. <laughs> did you one. share it on Facebook? I did. Because I looked at your Facebook page and I did not see it shared on there. And I just reshared it. I can't so, yeah, find anything on let Facebook. Megan know what you think of her. Uh, <laughs> I tell her, I, you know, I luckily I, I see her frequently, so I can just say it to her face. But yeah. she knows I love her. It's okay. We got, we got, we got a love between us. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, there's gonna be 15 messages that just say that ass though. That ass though. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with you. This comedic relief <laughs> from all this comedy, I yeah, guess. All this comedy <laughs> relief from the comedy. Yeah, um, like we need it. So I read an article the other day. It was brought to my attention by Calvin Moore, who has a show on the network. Um, they were talking about redoing or bringing back The Office. Mm, Why? No, the show is perfect Mm-mm. as it was. Mm-mm. Like an Ameri- so another American it, version, not like just uh, okay. So, so you took it away only to bring it back. It doesn't matter well, because as, The Office was already a copy of the well, UK right. version anyways. It, it, I, it, I understand that. So. Um, and there was only like But what? they do there that all the time. two series yeah. worth or two but, uh, seasons worth of The Office on uh, BBC. Yeah, but it's it, pretty short. But if they bring it back and they do another one and it's not um, it's not any of the same people, it's a whole new company, a whole new set of people. No. Then it's just – it's like another – it's not really a sequel or a reboot or anything like that. It's just a continuation of this concept. Right. And if they did that, though, but, like, like, how could they call it the office? Because, again, if they give us, you know, an idiot boss with a bunch of people that don't like their job, it would be the same thing. Right. And they're, and they're saying that um, – They would have to do something drastically different. Right. Know? Well, they would have an entirely different cast, but it would be still be Dunder Mifflin – um, it would still be, you know, within no. that company. So they're wanting to keep certain aspects of it and then replace. Yeah, that's that just they would be better. That's just by weird. the ensemble cast. They I mean, would it's be made better off having a whole new everything, new company, new staff, new everything. Don't have any ties to the old office other than the name, the office. So I understand the premise by the name, but it can't be identical to the. To a product that already exists. Well, it's like I'm. I'm pretty sure uh, Parks and Rec was supposed to be a shared universe until they cast Rashida Jones, and then right. like, and they're like, "Well, we can't do that anymore because she's a different character, right. played by the same actress." Right. Um, well, they they do twins. The whole, yeah. <laughs> they do the whole, uh, you know. I don't remember what they call it, like the documentary style where yeah. you know Parks and Rec does that, The Office does that, but in The Office they're actually shooting a documentary, and that's how they close the series. Is like. You know, the last season, especially, they really, they're like, oh, we're getting ready to, you know, have The Office come out on PBS or whatever it is. And it's kind of like meta and they like bring Mm -hmm. that all in. But like Parks and Rec, they don't ever, it's not technically a documentary, but it's shot in that style. They they just do it like. Tom doesn't like watching it because of the constant zooming. 
<laughs> Parks and Rec is horrible. That's it so constantly is zooming yes. in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. No. Or it'll zoom in, then it'll cut it's to somebody else, and then zoom in, then cut to somebody yeah. else, and then oh zoom God. in. Oh, my God. it's fucking annoying. But I love that. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. You were totally talking. I was being a nope, dick. That's okay. okay. All I said, I was just agreeing with him, saying oh. that is totally exce- like excessive, but it is excessive. I love that show. It's a good show. Yeah. I love it. I, I love well, it when I they do that. Amy Poehler, too. Oh. I can't stand so, well, that, that's going to ruin it for you. Mike, Mike says the same thing, and I'm like, how are you not like Amy Poehler? She's freaking stupid. I'm sorry. Why? Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank oh, you, Jess. Oh, I can't I can't hear you. <laughs> She's pretty stupid. We no. love having Jess on I the board. Love you, Jess. Okay. <laughs> do that more often. A, cu- a couple things. Sometimes the zoom and zoom out that was great, like when they do it on Bob's burgers when there's like a dramatic moment and everybody goes, uh, and then you zoom in like really quick and everyone's and face. It, yeah, like yeah, and it's like times. just ridiculous. But the thing about I think Amy Poehler on that show is it's like you don't have to find her funny. Like if you find her comedy falling flat, like she's like probably the most self-confident, socially awkward person ever. Like that's oh, her character. Yeah. And like she's also like the worst straight man character ever. But right. like that's that's what she's playing. And and so like most of the humor I think isn't even – like you can find what she's doing funny. But I think the humor isn't necessarily her – it's what happens around her because of her being like, like just her, saying, her. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah, her being herself. <laughs> Have you ever seen someone and just wanted to fight them? <laughs> yes, like, I just want to punch you? her in the face. Uh, oh my God. I just, I can't Cut stand off his her. mic again. <laughs> I can't stand her. You can. Ha- you're welcome to have your opinion, but you are not allowed to say that you're gonna, that you want to punch a woman in the face on our show. I'm sorry, Tom. Uh, Amy Poehler's not a woman. Oh, wow. Okay. Tom, no, no, Tom's no. Not coming back on the no, show. I, I, I get where Tom's- he's coming from. She's a person. See, he doesn't see gender. <laughs> that is correct. Oh, my God. Gender equality. We're all treated equally. Yeah. Let's but, not but get what, on to what that. What that's really saying about him is that he's okay with punching men and women. He'll just punch anyone. <laughs> Probably oh even God. babies and kids. I'm just guessing at this point. I, but, you know, uh, I wouldn't put, you know what? There's, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's, there's some people that you just want to punch. There are some kids you just want to punch. Yep. Oh my god! Yeah, well, we have a bag. Just in case. <laughs> a bag. What are you baby doing? Baby waterboarding bag. Baby bag. Baby have... waterboarding bag. Yeah, um, it, it, it came on the We're uh, single people. We're all going socially to hell. acceptable. Don't judge us. <laughs> you know, it's just jokes. Like no, none of us are going to waterboard babies. No, here. Hold on. it's a joke. Seriously. If the government yeah. does it, then that means it's socially acceptable. So we could definitely waterboard babies. Well, I don't know if the government waterboards babies. Oh, I'm sure they have. Babies no, don't they can't tell you anything. Right? What information could you get from them? Okay, if I was going to understand that, I've never even seen the movie. It's but if I was going to waterboard a baby, it would be Bruce Willis's character in that Boss Baby movie. Oh. And I've never even seen that. I've only seen commercials. You could waterboard an animated baby. Yeah, it's just terrible. It's this little, little like DreamWorks. I don't know if they made it, but it, it looks is. like a DreamWorks little, like, you know, cartoonish monstrosity of a baby that sounds like Bruce Willis. I, I just, thought wow. it was uh, a Baldwin. Oh, no, you're right. It might be Baldwin. Yeah, and normally, Baldwin. I love the Baldwins, but not, not as a baby. Is it Alec Baldwin? <laughs> I think. It might be. I think. Because I, I was you can't say that about anything that Alec Baldwin does. Alec He's, Baldwin. Yeah, the rest of them, you Dude, can talk all the shit you want to, but <laughs> Alec Baldwin is awesome. What yeah. if they? Uh, he's like, crazy, but I love him. He's a good brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got his good like moments. Yeah, one, I guess he's done some crazy <laughs> things, but you know, we forgive you. His wife has like a really weird name, and I can't remember it. Uh, and she's like a yoga 
teacher. I don't care. Her name's just like really weird. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she's like a yoga instructor. That's why he lost all that weight um, when he was doing Thirty Rock. Yeah, because they they were together, and she got him to like eat better and do yoga and stuff. So he lost like twenty or thirty pounds. Remember Hilaria. He, her name is Hilaria. Hilaria. Yeah, that's kind of fun though. It's like yeah, because it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> wow. Oh that my god. Sounds like the kingdom that He Man lives in. <laughs> I would I would have oh said god. no. That's bl- so blank, but I couldn't this. remember it. Oh, <laughs> Me and Megan are like show's over. <laughs> I you know, luckily Howie's going to be in here soon. Looks could kill. What? You would so be dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> we got looks could kill. Amy Poehler would be dead too. Then. Oh so my anyway, God. the office. So anyway, <laughs> this weather. Ugly. It's beautiful, beautiful weather. It's like 75 degrees out, sunny. Nobody cares. I'm wearing that's, a that's sweatshirt boring. and shorts. I mean, everybody cares because it's awesome. It's Michigan, so we don't get a lot of these perfect days. We have like to like Like in the middle of summer. It's like you get hot, 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 and then it's like, ooh, it's refreshing. I know. And then it's hot again. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, is, well, this is good. This has been a really mild summer because, as we all know, um, Trump made climate uh, change not real. <laughs> so that's why we're having a nice mild summer. So well, wow. <laughs> let's go to the edge of the earth and take selfies. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Not even a selfie person at all. <laughs> if I was at the edge of the earth, though, I totally would. Right. Well, obviously. Yep. Who wouldn't? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Leaning over the void. I know, right? <laughs> Speaking of the void, we should talk about that sometime. That was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um,. <laughs> our our last segment before we um, start our super fun interview with Howie um, just after six o'clock. Again, that call in number is two four eight five seven nine five two nine five. So give Don't us a call, call uh, if you have any questions for Howie. I'm joking. It, it, you can call if you want um, or not. Do what do what feels right. If nobody but calls, the what was that number again? Afterwards. Was that number one eight hundred D I A M O N D? No. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, pretty eight six seven five three oh nine. Pretty sure you can get sued. Oh, or is it the uh, emergency hotline? Yeah. I love you guys. This is why you guys are my friends. Trust me, if we're ever in England, I can get the police to help us. I know the number. I don't. I don't. If you've never seen the IT crowd, you've been living under a rock. Um, Fire. You you need to. It's a sea park. (laughs) It's so funny. I I love British comedies. Um, uh, Isn't it Graham Line? Graham uh, Linehan or Linen or something. Yeah, uh, he, he, he did that. Or, or whatever. He did Black Books, which is hilarious, and that's on um, Netflix right now. If you're into, Ooh. what? Remember last night? Okay, we're watching The Void and the Hospital. I'm like, you know what that is? It's Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Uh huh. And yeah. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. There's <laughs> yeah. also that with also Richard Ayoade and um, um, Matt Berry from uh, the IT Crowd. Yep, <laughs> Father. <laughs> <laughs> I love Matt Berry. We could just we, we could just make the rest of the show be doing quotes just from be it. Quotes. Uh, me and uh, Casey Pierce, who also has a show on this network, have like this mad love for Matt Berry. Like some, sometimes I just send her pictures of Matt Berry, and I'm like, "You're welcome." <laughs> he's just your morning inspiration. Yes, sexy. He's a sexy beast, and he he's a musician. So um, he was also on what, what was the the Hangman show? Um, um, Snuffbox. Snuffbox. He, they do a lot of like musical uh, numbers. It's, on it's that basically show. a nonstop sequence of non sequiturs. It's, it's so weird, but it's super yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, he has like a bunch of like records out. So if you whiskey, wanna... <laughs> whiskey. Yeah, uh, does, does that work? Is somebody going to bring me whiskey? Yeah, no. 
If you say it loud oh, enough, Dave oh, might actually oh. come in here with a bottle of whiskey. The, I know, right? The, um, scene, the scene where he's like whiskey? getting the drinks for the lady and then she like tells him which one's for her, for her boyfriend and he just like knocks the fucking tr- tray on the ground and he's like, what? Well, he's just like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's trying to pick up this this woman, and 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 she's like, "Oh, thanks." And that one's for my boyfriend. He just knocks the tray over and goes, "Fuck oh. you!" and walks away. <laughs> Mad Beard, his, his comedic timing, Wait. his comedic timing is beautiful. I've yeah. seen that one. That's, yeah, that's snuff box. I'll send you. I'll send you the okay. clip too, so that you can just watch it over. And what were we going to talk die. about? We were going to talk oh. about the segment called Megan Shitty Week. <laughs> oh, Megan had a really this is shitty better. week. This, this is better because nobody wants to hear about you. There, computer man. Shitty week. Fix my sex pants. <laughs> Apparently, my sex pants weren't fixed. <laughs> Megan's got a defunct that's sex why, pants. That's why I had a shitty week. <laughs> oh, God. Well, now I'm trying to imagine like what your uh, sex pants would look like. <laughs> that's what I was doing. Like, okay, at least that's not abnormal. I'm like. Like, I'm just what thinking of uh, look like? Peter Dinklage in the space pants. Just space change it to pants. sex pants instead. Yeah, you know what? It's pretty Maybe much all the same. Okay. Your sex pants are your space pants. Maybe. Yeah. That's that is sexy. Space yeah. shorts. <laughs> and space pants. That was that was a the brilliant segment. It would have been great on its own, but just if they had like the guys being like the really crappy sounding like mobsters, right. like talking <laughs> and being like distracted by it, like that was a shining moment of when SNL actually does everything right. In well, one I mean, sketch. You, Peter Dinklage is amazing. Like he, he is. He. he he stole that scene. Like he's just so hilarious, and he's, he's such a great actor. I love him. Like he just like lights up wherever he is. Even he, in he deadpans the entire the entire song. Like he doesn't he doesn't mess up once. No, and I don't know how he could do that with a straight face. <laughs> it's the most ludicrous thing ever, and he just he just gets through it. I know, like, no problem. And Gwen Stefani joins yeah. him, and it's just like this. My very good friend Gwen Stefani. It makes no sense. Yeah. And like the, the mobsters are all like impressed because like, hey, it's actually Gwen Stefani. <laughs> oh my god! Ugh, good times. Good times. See now, now we're just talking about other TV shows. Yeah, ADD. Just, this is yeah. a show about stuff we like. If you Ooh, don't like it, don't shiny. listen. Mm. Yeah, sorry, yeah, it's, pretty much, it's pretty much where we're at right Jingle now. Jingle keys. Not judging. Jingle keys in front of your face. Ooh, Eat got, chippies. Yeah, these, these jalapeno <laughs> kettle cooked chips get better the more you eat. I have a headache. Bill Dyer. <laughs> Poor Megan. Megan's, I always have a headache. I feel like you live with Motrin a, in the studio. Headache. I just, I, I don't know. I need more Maybe, honey. We might need to waterboard her. Yeah. Please don't. No, that'll just make her headache worse, I feel like. <laughs> it might oh my God. It though. They, didn't they? <laughs> oh my God, yesterday. Go ahead, Jim. No, I was going to say, they, they did, I don't know if it was full on waterboarding, but they did it on Mythbusters, mm-hmm. like with, with Carrie, and like, she was like in They waterboarded her? At, well, they wanted to see if, if mm-hmm. like, if not, they didn't like exactly water, waterboard her, I don't think. But and was, she volunteered. It was some kind of oh, like yeah, water yeah. on your face, like constant, like torture uh-huh. kind of thing. So, and like, she was reduced to tears within like, within like minutes. And they're like, okay, confirmed. We're really sorry. Yeah, right. I mean, you're you're in essence, you're just drowning. Yeah. So right. I feel like it would be very effective. Yeah, I would tell anybody anything if they were sitting there repeatedly yeah. waterboarding me. Yeah. They wouldn't even have to. They'd be like, I'm in a waterboard. Oh, I'll tell you everything. Like, 
Don't even bother. <laughs> I'm going to snitch. Please stop. I'll suck your dick. (laughs) I'm sort of a douchebag, so I'd be like, oh, no, I can handle this. And then five seconds in, I'd be like, I quit. I quit. I quit. (laughs) So I know my limits. Why can I see that? I clearly don't. (laughs) I can can handle a lot of pain, but the thought of, like, the the feeling of drowning, that just terrifies me. Like, you know. I can sit and get tattooed all day. I mean, I've had plenty Dude, of surgeries and recoveries. Times and like, I, oh, my God. As many times as I like, accidentally choked on my own saliva, I would not want to <laughs> I was like, <coughs> I'm just dying. <laughs> Jesus. And I'm just like, I'm okay. I'm okay. But yesterday, oh, my God. Okay, so I I poured myself a glass of wine, and I'm talking like a large glass of wine filled to like the lip of the glass, I'm just right. sipping so it. So a glass of wine. Yeah, a glass like a full of glass. A real <laughs> glass of yeah. wine. It might have been right. just the whole bottle, but I'm not. I'm not really trying to impress people here. <laughs> um, so put a straw in it. <laughs> she drank a glass and a half. Swear, swear, it was. Um, it was almost half full. I go and I take a sip, and I'm sitting down, like I plop down onto the ground because I'm sliding off the couch because I'm already slightly drunk. Who cares? <laughs> um, and as I do it, I don't know what I did, but I just inhale it, and I'm like, oh. oh. And I and I I try and put like basically because I as I drunk, I turned to look at Tom and say something. I tried spitting it back into the cup, and it just went like uh, it was like a rain shower of rain <laughs> or wine everywhere. And oh god, oh, I was choking. I was going to say, did your dogs get drunk? Yeah, they were licking it all up. I I, I, I waterboarded myself with wine. That's basically what it was. Worst feeling ever. It burned. And oh yeah, I definitely had alcohol in my lungs before this. A very uncomfortable like, feeling. I'm sure this is not where this is supposed to be right now. Tom's like, are you okay? I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, on the break, do y'all want to do the cinnamon challenge? No. no. Get other stuff into our lungs no. that hurts like hell? I've done that before. It's oh, awful. Okay. How about the two no banana and a two liter of, of ginger ale challenge? No, I don't oh, want to do that. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound pleasant. He's trying to kill us. No, you're just going to puke up banana. That's wrong. <laughs> it's like shit idea after shit idea. Right. Just like that. This is the bad idea. How much torture do you want? A little torture and a shitty week. Right. <laughs> Let's add that with some bananas and Sprite. Y'all, y'all want to do the fire pants challenge? No. <laughs> I'm going to let your stupid things that um, the kids nowadays do. What the, was it like the no breathing challenge? Let me let me knock you out in like two point five seconds by just pressing on your chest. I saw some dumbass that did like a boiling hot water challenge. Like, <laughs> oh my god, would that turn out good? <laughs> it's boiling hot water. Have you ever yeah. been burnt? Why? It fucking right. hurts. It yeah, hurts. No. Who comes up with these things? Smart people. Dumb. Asses. To hurt stupid Keep people. your children in. <laughs> It's evil people bubble. like me that come up be, with the hot water be challenge. Parents. <laughs> know where your kids are. Know what they're doing. Instead of the ice bucket challenge, just the hot bucket. Oh, boiling. <laughs> boiling water challenge. Oh. Boiling. I was like, ah! When I saw it, I was like, you I'm dumbass. raising awareness for stupidity. Long. Let's see hey, who can do it. That's, that's survival of the fittest right there. Yeah, if you are dumb enough to do that, then you deserve what you get. <laughs> we do the uh, hammer headbutt challenge. <laughs> hammer headbutt? <laughs> yep. Take a 16-ounce hammer, smack yourself in the head, 
That's a challenge. All right. <laughs> well, on that note, on you guys, that note. it is time to go to a quick break. When we come back, we have Howie Noel joining us. We're going to talk float. We're going to talk anxiety. Yay. We're going to talk about a lot of things. So join us in a few more minutes after the break. Hello and welcome back to the Way Station. I'm Stephanie. What's up? <laughs> that's, that's Megan. <laughs> oh my God, that was so topical and recent and humorous. I know, right? You're welcome. Well, so this is this is the part of our show where we have an excellent interview for you guys. We have Howie Knoll on the line with us. How's it going, Howie? Uh, it's going great. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm super excited. Um, why don't you tell everybody that's listening like a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, well, my name's Howie Knoll, and I am a uh, artist, uh, a writer, illustrator, caricature artist, and basically, I also, you know, make my own books. So I do a series of graphic novels, and uh, I kind of just, you know, I like to tell stories. And they're awesome stories. Like, Terra Normal is one of my favorites, obviously. Anybody who says it is not their favorite or one of their favorites, they're just lying. <laughs> oh, they're lying or they haven't found it yet. Exactly. You know, they haven't discovered the greatness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so go out there and discover it, guys. But, well, the big thing that we're talking about today is you recently um, – uh, did a Kickstarter for um, a new graphic novel that you had worked on um, called Float. Yes. And, and that's going to be um, available, isn't it, it? October? Is it when it'll be available? Yeah, uh, October. Uh, we're aiming for October uh, 10th is the big launch date um, because it's also World Mental Health Day and the book deals with anxiety and depression. And uh, Float is now available for pre-order at my website, yourglassceiling.com. And uh, we're also going to have it with us at New York Comic Con in the first week of October. So you, if you're there, you'll be able to get it early. And those people that back the Kickstarter, we're starting to mail out as soon as I get them. So hopefully I get them at the end of September from the printer and uh, it'll be in, starting going in the mail before anybody. Yay. I'm one of those backers. So I'm, I'm eagerly, <laughs> eagerly <laughs> awaiting. You. Um, you know, you, thank you so much for sending us. Uh, you sent us the first 28 pages. So we were able to, um, you know, take a little sneak peek at, at Float. Um, and let me just tell you, like, I instantly connected with this. Um, I, I've struggled with anxiety for most of my life and, and, it, I swear to God, it's like you were in my brain and you wrote down my life. <laughs> For any person well, who great, has great to hear. anxiety, I feel like it's definitely just a – it's literally a page out of our own personal books. Because right. I – when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is <laughs> – Right? This is so – this is so me. This is what I do. And I guess it'll for people who don't have anxiety, it might be a good way for them to – you know, sit back and take a look at what, what it looks goes like. On, yeah, what it, what goes on in our brains, right? Well, and especially yeah. if yeah, you're I with wanted, somebody yeah, that that that's what I wanted. I wanted um, people. Not only is it for people like me that go through it, you know, and have it and battle it every day, but I wanted people, you know, who don't understand why I've acted the way I have, why have I done the things I've done. I wanted them to understand as best I could, so I wanted to illustrate it out. So you could see why, and hopefully you'll be empathetic, and hopefully you'll understand. It's not an excuse um, because I've done the things I've done, but it is, you know, this is a reason. 
it's a, there's a reason behind it. And that's, exactly. that was the best thing about uh, the diagnosis when I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, that uh, there was a reason. You know, I never had it. I never understood why I felt the way I did. I never understood why am I so sensitive? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel so much more than others? Why do I worry about things that aren't possible to happen? Why do I worry? Uh, why do I relive things that happened in the past as if they're happening right now and they matter? You yeah. know, and it's uh, hopefully this book, you know, and it sounds like it, it did for you guys. I hope, uh, you know, both sections of that audience really uh, receive this book well and, and uh, see that, you know, this is a place from my heart. And mostly, like you said, it's like actually stepping inside my mind, which can be scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, anxiety itself, I mean, is, is really frightening, especially like, you know, when you don't know what it is, like you just said, like getting that diagnosis made a difference because you finally had, you finally understood why. Um, and there's a lot of people that go undiagnosed um, with anxiety and depression issues, and it, it truly affects how they live their life. Um, I was a social worker um, for about a year. And I have a degree in psychology, so it's kind of it's kind of close to my heart. Um, all of the stuff I've, I've worked with a lot of people that have anxiety issues, um, and I've actually helped people get to a doctor to get diagnosed because I could see in them like things that I had seen in myself, and I'm like, okay, I feel like you need to go, <laughs> you need to go talk to somebody, yeah. and and pointed them in the right direction because uh, you know anxiety it infiltrates every corner and every aspect of your life even when you least expect it it's it's right it's nothing that we purposely try and at least I don't know if there are people who can trigger it but it's it's because again it's different for everybody but it's something that we can't personally just sit there and be like you know you can't can't help it it away right yeah (laughs) it just happens and it could again it could be over the stupidest things like and I think it's almost a portion of like OCD for me too. Like, I'll um, did I lock the door? And I'll walk away. And oh my god, what if I didn't lock the door? Um, let me go check again. Make sure I lock the door because if I didn't lock the door, what if somebody comes in and tries to take my dogs? And then what if it my spirals. dogs? Yeah. And, <laughs> what if my dogs? One of them bites them, and then the cops come, and then the, they shoot the dog. What am I gonna do then? But then I won't have the money to pay for my dogs. It. it you oh God. It's horrible. It's I feel consuming. like, and it's all, and it's all mm-hmm. just because. Hey, I don't know. It's not just cut and dry. Like, hey, did I lock the door? No, no. Let me lock it and then walk away. It just, it's, <laughs> it's horrible. It's, it's horrible yeah. to live with. Anxiety, uh, and I portrayed in the book. Uh, anxiety is the main character in the book in a lot of ways. Uh, it's the star, and I wanted, you know, I wanted to illustrate because I've seen other people how they draw anxiety, and it's this dark scribble or it's a monster you know and uh, it's a monster or something like that and um my anxiety i wanted to reason that it's uh very charismatic uh he's he's attractive he's a rock star his ideas sound so good why else would i follow it i mean i'm not going to follow you know a scribble i'm not going to follow a scribble a scribble's not going to cause me to ruin my life (laughs) i needed to come up with who would you want to party with who would you want to hang out with And that's why he's leading you on, you know, and that's why he leads you down the bad path. He has such good ideas for me. Um, When he comes up with something ridiculous, it sounds so real. Mm -hmm. And I believe it, you know, and I fall for it. And, you know, it leads me to attacks and stuff like that. And in the book, um, the main character, David, because I I have a stand-in for myself, because I have about three stand-ins for myself. 
until you break through those layers and you read through the book and see the real me. In the preview you got, you didn't get to see that because I'm hiding it from you. You'll get that in the full book. Drats. But it's breaking down the layers that I'm guarding, you know, that mm-hmm. I have up as a, as a wall, as a guard. <clears throat> and uh, you see as it goes through the anxiety attack, those layers get revealed and broken down, and then you'll see the real me. Um, in the book, David is the first one. He's very superficially attractive. He's like a movie star because, as I put it in the book, it's easier to hear the story from somebody that's superficially attractive. Somebody that has six-pack abs, you'd much rather hear about his pain than mine. And uh, that's a whole other slew you know, of issues. So when you hear it, it's very sad you know, that I feel the need to depict myself like that, that I won't even share myself yet. So as it goes on, you know, you see David, he talks to anxiety like it's, you know, Iron Man's Jarvis. Mm-hmm. It's his, you know, it's his friend. That's the closest relationships he's had. And anxiety is in love with him. It, anxiety wants that to be his only relationship. And I think that's what happens to us. Um, it pushes everyone else away to mm-hmm. where in the end it wants to be just you and just him. And then you're left with nothing but, you know, the disorder. Right. So that's really, you know, that's that's where we dive into the with the book. Oh man, <laughs> no, it's very true. Um, and it, this is like a hard topic, I think, um, for people that have anxiety. It's really hard to to tackle it um, and to speak about it. And you've, you're doing this on a you know a big scale. Uh, what yeah. was it that What was it that kind of made you decide like? This, I'm going to put this out there. Like, th- was I'm it like a, a catharsis or like a something like that? Or was it just, it was just time? I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I've dealt, it turned out, you know, I've had anxiety my whole life, you know, and the first real attack I can remember doing the book helped me discover things about myself, you know, which I hope it will help the readers too. I actually, during the making of, <laughs> figured out that my first anxiety attack happened in first grade. I was being tested for the gifted class, and the, they have a counter, so it's like an egg timer, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be taught. And I was, you know, a little kid with a strange teacher. It wasn't one of my normal teachers, and I was hyperventilating, they said, which, you know, there's a weakness when they say that. Oh, he hyperventilated. Oh, he couldn't be in the gifted class then. That's an early failure that was <sighs> cemented in my mind. I wasn't hyperventilating, just hyperventilating. It was an anxiety attack. Right. But they weren't trained to do that to help me. You know, and this goes on for 20-some years then afterwards. And then you finally get to a doctor who can help you and help you realize that. Um, basically, I've had, you know, my friend Victor, who did the, the soundtrack that we have that's accompanying this, um, said that I've, it's a story I've been working on my whole life. So the real, I always had an idea that I wanted to tell my point of view of what it's like being an artist but thinking the way I do. Mm-hmm. And then it, I realized, you know, when you put the pieces together, it's not just... Because it's bad enough being an artist who gets rejection. Imagine then having anxiety disorder where you feel so much more than others. Mm -hmm. You just do. You're way too sensitive. And I'm being set up for rejection. So in the book, when he gets rejected, right, when he gets Mm -hmm. a rejection letter from a publisher, uh, it sets him off on an anxiety attack. And then that's where everything breaks down and you'll see. And it's not like rejection is the reason for the attack just an excuse for anxiety to use you know it could be Mm -hmm. anything you could have stubbed your toe and that's the end of the world um or a thought from a you know from years ago will get you and there's your attack Mm 
so um, I wanted to, and when I was writing it, I, you know, uh, my wife, Shelly and Victor uh, kept me honest. I knew I had to be honest, but I like to hide and I like to fudge the truth. So that's why we have these stand-in characters until the wall breaks down, you know, mm-hmm. and then you'll get the true me. Um, so I knew it had to be personal because it's a big subject. And I didn't really realize how tough this was, honestly. I just dove in. I didn't realize how tough it was until the month after the Kickstarter ended. And I had to take a month off because it, it drained me. It drained me mentally and physically to do the Kickstarter on top of doing the book. And then so in June, I was off. You know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I had a, I had <laughs> a to lot. basically restart. Yeah. And then in July, I finished July, I finished the book. So right back at him, you know, as far as I'm concerned, and now we're waiting for it to be printed. So it's, it's something that I, I, I thought needed to be told. I wanted others to know they're not alone, you know, and I wanted, I wanted to give a reason why I feel the way I do. You know, I wanted to put that in, in this format. I love sequential art. I love comics. I think comics can be used for some great stories. I love superhero stories, you know, mm-hmm. but this is like, you can use comics also to tell a story like this about somebody's life. And that's what I wanted to do. A true story and something, a subject matter that's tough to talk about, but because it's art combined with words, I think it's more inviting. Absolutely. I mean, and there are, there are other, there's a couple of books that, um, that I read in college, well, graphic novels. I mean, I think everybody's pretty much read Mouse. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's uh, Fun Home, which actually, like, I was able to relate to it very easily because there's a lot in that story. Um, you know, it was a graphic novel, but it was kind of strange because I'd never really known graphic novels could have like very serious content and deal with like true stories and and it kind of changed my perspective on on what comics and graphic novels can actually do instead of it just being oh you know like Batman Superman like you can actually and it reaches a different type of audience too like some people like the you know that it has pictures it's more approachable um they like the comic format and so you can reach more people i think um you know, a wider audience with a graphic novel as well. I think so. And also because I'm, I do comics, I love art. I mean, that's how this story, my story should be told. It should use the medium that I love, you know? Um, If I just wrote a regular book, well, that wouldn't really show the art and the struggle, you know, because art's a hundred percent of my life. Um, And the book also has poetry in it. You know, Um, the words get very lyrical um, cause I always wrote poems and I just wanted, I wanted it to be a unique experience for the reader. It's really a journey and you know, there's funny parts in it. Uh, there's like a bit of adventure. There's lots of mystery and it's a rom- It's a romance. It's a romance between anxiety and its victim. And I think it's just a unique, uh, way to tell this story. You, in the medium that it could only be told in, you know, this was mm-hmm. meant to be a comic book and an art and art and an art piece. So, um, I think everybody's going to be surprised. I play with panels a lot. Um, I tried to, you know, make every page different and unique and some of, some of them, you know, could be posters in their own right, but they still work within the book. Yeah. I noticed, um, 
you know, looking, I really like a lot of the ways that you like laid out the pages. It was really unique. And I liked, um, actually, I'm looking at it right now. Um, there was one specific page that I wanted to look at. Well, while you're finding that, I just wanted to mention, I, um, this is Jason, by the way. I don't know if I introduced <laughs> Hi, myself. Jason. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, I do have a brief story about anxiety. I would like to share if there's time for that in a bit. But I wanted to mention, I noticed some of the symbolism. I had to look through it twice, which I think is is a good sign of a work when there's, you know, stuff you notice after multiple, you know, readings or viewings mm-hmm. or whatever. But I noticed, uh-huh. like, just, you know, not, not to give away any of the story or anything, but, like, the, the, the symbolism where um, the, the panel showing the rain is duplicated with, with um, later on, you know, in the, in the doctor's office, and it, like, takes him out of what's going on at the moment, and the doctor's like, you know, that's not what you're here for. Like there's right, there's, yes. there's different levels here, and and I think that's very. What I've read so far is very smart, and it's to the point, definitely. Yeah, and that was actually that was the. Did I just ruin it for you? No, it's okay. Oh. No, I, no, I'm just. I'm, no, I'm, yeah, that, you got the preview. You guys can spoil that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I spoiled what she was even going to talk about. And, and that's okay though, because no, I, I that was actually similar to what so what what I was going to say. I was just I just wanted to make sure I had the the right page, and you had it pulled up, and I yeah. didn't have it on my phone. So, oh, yeah. um, but no, I noticed the same thing too. So that's kind of it's it's interesting, like how that stuck out to you too. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting, interesting. Um, That's a lot of people's favorite pages so far in the symbolism, basically to describe for the reader. And you can see these preview pages at yourglassceiling.com, my website. You can, I've been previewing pages on there um, on a weekly basis. You just have to go through the, uh, the blog on there. That basically, uh, when David's wife uh, announces that you know they have to separate, it starts raining. And that's... Uh, you know the, the the puddles when the rain hits because I, I used whenever I walk I stare at the ground that was always a big part of me I thought it was like it's very cinematic for me if I walk I would look at my feet and you know that's a whole other thing that's bad posture right and that's not mm-hmm. you describing yourself when you walk through that way that's a bad way to walk that means you, it's a depressed way of walking your mm-hmm. head down in society so that's how you see this scene looking down and uh, the puddles you know, resonate with him. It's a sadness, you know, and and like funerals, it it usually will rain. It's just something that happens sometimes. And, uh, that is a very sad thing. But if you ever watch the pavement and I always do, and you see that first bit of raindrop hit and it changes it, you know, um, that was always something that a visual that I always remembered and he can see that happening. So he's in his doctor's office and that thing, that painting on his doctor's office looks just like the cement from when his wife left him. Now, mm-hmm. how's he supposed to concentrate? You know, and you can tell <laughs> right. him, it's weird. That's odd. And he doesn't recognize that painting. And he says, has that painting always been there? But he's distracted from the doctors trying to help him. And that happens when, you know, you, when you see a therapist or any doctor, you are distracted in your own mind, you know? And then anxiety there is going to pop up and start talking to him. So a lot of it is about being distracted and having these symbols and having these things because... You know, the way things catch you in your memory, you basically learn you can't trust your own thoughts. And then it's tragic. It's terrible that you can't trust because I'm in my head so much and I can't trust it. It's scary. So that's what we wa- I wanted to show, you know, when he's there. Is that painting there? Right. We don't know, right? Right. You'll have to find out. Um, and there was a, one specific um, scene in here, like when the the doctor, you know, tells him that you know he wants him to go on this retreat, and um, I'm trying to find Keep it. Going. 
I know which did one you're talking about. Did I about. go too far? Yeah. <laughs> I'm scrolling on a tablet right now. So. It should be one of... That's right after the... Uh, that's yeah. right after he asks, has that always been there? Okay. All right. There we go. Yeah. Um, and, and how he, like, in his head goes, you know, he basically talks, you know, the anxiety talks him out of going. Mm-hmm. Th- that is something um, that I do constantly. Oh yeah, and it's it's funny because you know I, I write comics. I'm a writer as well, and I like I do conventions, and it's really um, out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I have to like work through that anxiety to get to these conventions and, and talk to people. But I often don't do things because of my anxiety. It's it's one of those things oh, that absolutely. yeah, and I mean I think that you know. <sighs> And I don't know, this is probably true for you too. Like, you know, you break plans with friends or, you know, like because in that moment or that day, you don't feel yeah, like going out for or it. Great. You're all for it right. ahead of time. You're like, yeah, let's do it. But then as it gets closer and closer and closer to that moment, you're just like, I, I can't do this. I know I can't. I'm not leaving my house. Today. But it's, it's the same thing with Tom. Tom and I are supposed to be going to Gen Con this year. And he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, well, it's going to be gonna an go, adventure. No yeah, hotel room. No hotels. You're just just camp out. You know, stay do up. Do pull all nighters because I used to do that all the stinking time. He's like pulling all nighter. Let's let's do this. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it because it sounded like a great idea. But now it's like two weeks away, and I'm having. A panic attack every time I think about it because I'm like, I'm not going to have a bed to sleep in. I'm not going to have a like, I'm not going to have anything. I, I'm, I'm basically going to be living out of a bag like a homeless person. I was going to say, you're going to be like I'm a street gonna, person. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. I, I like, I start like literally like my st- stomach starts turning thinking about it. Like, what if something happens? I'm, I'm scared shitless. <laughs> And that's literally my anxiety telling me, no, like, it, you know, just what if, you know, hey, what if you, you know, you need to, to re- what if you have, like, some sort of really bad headache and you need to go lay down for something? Or what if you start getting nauseous, you're not going to have anywhere to go? It's those what ifs that'll yeah. always get you. <laughs> that's for and sure. Anxiety is, is a, it's, can be a positive uh, emotion, too, a feeling, too, Sometimes, which is yeah. messed up. So it's the excitement of, I want to go on this trip. And then it's the fear of, you could die on this trip. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's very real. Both are real. So it's sad because we get very excited. So, you know, and that's the hap- the happiest you can be, that excitement. Oh, you're so excited. And it turns into hives or it turns into a rash. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's when it's being a positive emotion. And then when it's not positive is, oh, think about the terrible things that could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and think about what could happen there and then think about oh think about your parents dying you know and Honestly, that's, that's too, literally the same they sound so real it they, sounds so real exactly yeah. and i also find that sometimes i can say having anxiety does or can save your life not even going to lie about that. As shitty as it sounds, there are times where I think like, hey, I'm going to go out and do this. No, maybe you should just sit down and do this because if this happens, something else is going to happen. Next thing you know, you you know, look on the news and, hey, that thing that you were going to do that day, well, guess what? Um, that, that Ferris wheel that you wanted to go on today, yeah, it broke down and like two people got injured and seven people got, you know, killed. And you're just like, what? Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> I'm just well, I would say I wouldn't take inside. that trade off because anxiety can also kill you. <laughs> that, <laughs> right? you know, uh, that too. Anxiety would say there's nothing left 
oh, you don't deserve to live since they didn't. Mm-hmm. Look at you, how selfish of you to survive. Yeah. That's what mine will do. So it's almost, I don't get, I really noticed after the book was done that I have a lack of joy that I can experience because of this, because I let it win so much. So it's almost like, you know, I want to give it credit, you know, because it does cause me to cross the street mm-hmm. when I'm in danger, you know, like I do get that spidey sense of dangers coming. But then, you know, I would take it so I don't have that if I didn't have to fear things like they're so real. Yeah. You know, like I've been mourning people's deaths for 20 years. Yeah. And uh, it's not happened yet. <laughs> it's sad. And that's, you know, it's horrific. It's horrific. And I thought that was normal. I thought everybody did that. And when yeah. I discovered it wasn't, it was frightening to me. Um, but to know that others, you know, that have, you know, suffer through depression and anxiety do, you know, I don't feel alone anymore, though. You know, um, it's, it's that passage in the book where an island does sound tempting, doesn't it? Imagine the sights, the smells, the sense of wonder. Imagine the mystery, and it's exciting. Oh, and it then looks you're like, like, yeah, we... let's go on this trip. And then it says, oh, no, people die in mystery. All right. It looks, and we that's, have a caller that's how anxiety does it. coming. Uh, actually, we have a, somebody just called in. Did we, did we pick them up? Okay. <clears throat> did we pick, oh, yeah. hi. Who do we have here? Hi, this is Mike. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Uh, uh, pretty well. Can't explain. Thanks for calling in. Do you have a question so, or a comment for Howie? Uh, both. <laughs> uh, so first of all, all right. uh, the book sounds great. It's uh, very interesting to to kind of without having seen any of these preview pages about we're trying to kind of trying to imagine depicting personifying anxiety. So uh, I might have two questions. I don't know. The first kind of depends on second kind of depends on the first. But the first is um, you're saying you're just, you're personifying anxiety with like actual characters. Does he? Does the main character? Do the main characters interact? with those personifications of anxiety, like, actually interact? Or is it more just, like, a voice in their head that we get to see? He's, uh, well, first of all, Mike, thanks for calling. It's great to talk to you. Um, He is, uh, at first, a voice. But once he's led, once he gets more power, when you give him more power and credence, he becomes real. So you uh, in the in the thing, I'll have to pay for listening to him so much and actually deal with him. And that's all in the book. Um, And you can see previews, like I said, at your If you're digging what I'm saying, you know, and what we're describing the pages, feel free to go there. You can actually I think there's almost 20 pages on there right now. And uh, yeah, you'll get to see anxiety as a physical character. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm planning to check it out, but I, uh, I'm actually listening while driving and talking on hands-free right now, so not the best oh, time cool. to preview the pages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no. Be safe, Do dude, be safe. I'm avoiding that, definitely. Thank you. Um, so I guess the second is, uh, you know, I, I personally, I've I, I struggled with a lot of anxiety problems in the past, and I feel like a lot of the time what, what ends up triggering these acts not so much like the intensity of one thing so much as it's too many little things that I can't stop thinking about to the point that it's like the cacophony gets overwhelming. It gets to a point that I can't function normally because I'm cycling so many through so many other things. So, I mean, is it, is it going to be usually one, one personification at a time or is it actually going to be potentially 
multiple that he has to deal with, or how does it? How do you get that like that sense of surrounding, overwhelming, you know, essence thing? That I guess. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I use the words that anxiety says. I use uh, visuals, and you'll see that it mounts up and gets bigger and bigger, and it'll be multiple things that cause the attacks. Um, and it's really about taking on this journey of a, of a breakdown. So throughout the book, you'll see it's a mental breakdown, you know, and even one of the pages that shows an outline of a mental breakdown. And because uh, things, so many things with me that I've experienced, it's all about, you know, what's we're trying, you're trying to reason. That's the big thing. We, we think so much, you know, uh, we're very intelligent because we think all the time. You know, and uh, it's just, it's, it's pointed at bad things that we think about. So instead of positive things, a lot of time we're ruminating on, oh, we shouldn't have done that. Oh, we shouldn't have done this. Or this could happen and it would hurt us, you know, but we think so much. And uh, I wanted to really show that when you're trapped in your mind like that, it's, it's bad. You know, it can be good because I got to use my imagination for good. I got to come up with stories and characters and stuff and to do this. But then at the same time, my imagination is so powerful, it can be a bad thing when anxiety says, oh, imagine if that happened. You know, it seems so real to me because I can imagine it like a movie. So, yeah, it'll, it'll, you'll get to see not just one thing, but many things that he has at his, you know, beck and call. Yeah, if you can't, if you can't justify not thinking about it, then how do you stop thinking about it, right? Right. And that's what you okay. have to do. You got you to gotta tell yourself that's a bad thought put there by, you know, anxiety. That's not that's a bad thought, you know, and that's what that's you have to keep telling yourself. Me. And, you know, the thing is, sometimes you catch you off guard with a really good idea. Well, thanks. That sounds very interesting. I'm going to have to check it out. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it. Thanks for calling in, Mike. We don't usually we don't get a ton of call-ins on our show. We usually we never announce the the phone number, but we did today. We were like, we're going to actually awesome. announce the phone number on while we're talking all throughout the show, so that <laughs> so it's working. There we go. We've got we've we're got, not a bunch of trolls, <laughs> not this time. So I, this is a little off topic, but I just want to know how how your dogs are doing because I get to see all these lovely pictures um, on Facebook. You know, we're Facebook friends, so I always get to see these adorable pictures of your dogs. I'm a huge dog lover, um, and they just are so freaking cute. I just can't even. Yeah, <laughs> I have two pugs. I have two pugs, Hogan and Mula, and they're adorable. And it's tough to uh, sometimes it's tough to be around them because they're so cute. <laughs> I'm showing Megan pictures right now. She's I just can't. like <laughs> All I hear is <laughs> That's that's the that's the lovely sound of a pug. I love it. I miss my Mine actually pug, mine but... don't make those noises. What? Wow. Yeah, yeah they don't. They're no. very uh they don't they don't have the breathing thing. Oh, that's a good thing though. That's I would say thing. they're majestic. Yeah. <laughs> they're majestic. <laughs> no, that just means that they they're don't have loud. nasal problems right now. <laughs> right? I only, they're, not, they're not loud like that. I only have one pug story. I knew this girl, and she had like this, this 
pug, but she also had, I don't remember what it was, but it was really small and it was a puppy. So running around, not paying attention to anything it's doing, just blah, 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 being a puppy. And they're outside and the pug just lifts its leg to start peeing. And right when it does, the puppy, like, there's this huge, like, puppy grin on his face, runs right by it and gets a streak of yellow down its entire side. <laughs> <laughs> dogs are crazy. That's my point, right? That's what uh, dogs will do. They're yeah. Not, yeah, sadly. They do stuff like that. You just kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know. That, that's what I got to contribute right now is a pee story. So. Right? You got you to watch them. If you have two dogs, you got to watch them. Yeah. I have no idea what that's about. It's yeah. some, uh, I don't know, fetish, some dog fetish. Yeah, dog just like runs right up, doesn't care. Yay. You're like, sweet, you're in. Like, <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah it, it's something I'm familiar with, sadly. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, any dog owner, I think we're a little too familiar with that. Um, and well, and this is this is more back on point. I just wanted to check in and make sure the puppies were good. But um, uh, you and you and Shelley have been together for a really long time, and um, it seems like you have a very strong, you know, wonderful relationship. And um, has your anxiety? Ever and, and, and if this is too personal of a question, you can just tell me. You don't have to, you know, spill your guts here on the show. But I mean, was your anxiety like? Did it ever cause an issue in your relationship? Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's part of the book. You know, Shelley did the design work in the book. Like, if you know, she did the layout. She makes the books actually happen the, with the layout, putting it together, proofing. You know, she's the art director on that end, and she does the website. So she's a big part of this project, and she was um, – because I felt like it needed to be explained why I do do the things, you know? I mean, it's so difficult because this was written, like I said, it was written also for people that don't have it. And I want them to understand why I do the things I do. And I, I learned that I try to ruin, you know, just myself. I try to ruin things if I think they're not perfect, and that'll be with a book I own. That'll be with, you know, like an action figure or, you know, anything. If there's a little thing wrong, I want to destroy it. And I started to realize I was doing that with friendships, relationships, Mm -hmm. where I see errors in it. And I don't want them, you know, oh, I might as well ruin this. And that's, you know, when you learn something about that yourself like that, and that comes through therapy and, you know, really looking at yourself, it just makes you thankful that people have stuck with you you know, through it. I'm not easy to be around. Obviously. I don't think anybody with anxiety is, I don't think it's, you know, great, <laughs> but she, she has yeah. understood and uh, been so supportive. And I think this book, you know, she said it was like, I think she was a little disturbed when she first read it because it was like reading my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, women always say we no, want to know, cool. like, yeah, yeah. But we and, don't. Uh, yeah. You get to see, <laughs> Like what's going on, you know, because I can't say it all the time or stuff like that. Right. So um, I just think, you know, it's great to have that because I need that in my life. I wouldn't be around without it, you know. And um, as I said, I had an article I wrote for Bleeding Cool, um, the web comic website, pop culture website. And I said, you know, this comic saved my life because it really did. You know, it's not just a cat, you know, not just catchy title. Um making this project gave, you know, encouraged me to keep fighting. Um, you always can never give up, you know, on it because once you give into that, you know, it's a really, really sad ending. The thing is I want to always keep fighting and, uh, you know, she helps me keep fighting. Aww. 
That's so sweet. I'm like getting a little teary eyed over here. I'm not even kidding. Like seriously, I need a tissue or something. That's really, it's, it's truly <laughs> oh, well, sweet. Sorry. And oh no, it's okay. Um, you know, my my husband um, has severe severe anxiety. Um, I have mine's not as bad as his, and it's definitely. Uh, I find myself like putting my stuff to the back burner to take. You know, because his is so much more intense and it takes over more of his life. And it having like a support system like that is super important because, you know, when – like you said, you want to keep fighting and you that gives you a reason to fight. Not, it's more than just yourself. You've got friends. You've got family. You've got somebody who loves you and, and wants to support you. And I think that that's a very important thing, um, you know, in wanting to continue to fight. It's, you know, it's a reason. Yeah. And it's also tough because we're so in our minds. You don't think about, you know, what I call the the debris that's left in your path. And it's the wreckage and people can be part of that fallout because I'm so busy with what's in my mind. You don't realize your consequences. And it's tough because I'm a strong personality, too. And um, that's why, you know, I really wanted to involve you know, Shelly Moore in this process, you know, on the website, she's a main part of the, the website. She's authored blogs on it. On, and there's a great, there's a great article she wrote for, uh, for the yourglassceiling.com about what it's like to live with somebody with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, because, you know, it's, I just want to say thank you to everyone that sticks by their friends, by their uh, lovers, um, by their spouses by their family members that have this because it's okay that they have it. Um, and it is real. I think, uh, you know, I don't know what this deal is where people want to act like it's not real. I find it so disturbing, such a disturbing trend when you'll go on and see a comment on an article and they'll say, it's just made up. It's just made <laughs> yeah. up. Do you know how dangerous that is to just say it's made up? I don't know if this is like a flat earther thing. I don't know it what might it be. is, but it's, yeah, it's not, you know, mm-hmm. and if I could wish it away, I would, but it's not, you know, and you can see that when, you know, when people lose jobs over this and mm-hmm. lose relationships yep. and everything, you, I can't, I have lost so many jobs and that's in the book. Like you can, it's, it's a common thing we always do until you get help. And even if you do get help, it can still happen. You know, because a common you thing is, what? oh, once I got the help, I'm good. But there's oh, even... I don't need my medication anymore. But there's... <laughs> Honestly, you know. Right. And then you start the cycle again. See, but even for me, it's not necessarily too. You might try getting the help, but it's finding the right help because not everybody, right. there's not always that one person that can help you. I've tried several therapists and some were better than others, but you still, especially now as an adult, especially when I was a kid, it was really bad with the severe depression and anxiety. But now as an adult, me being on my own and my own insurance and healthcare like that, it's hard to find the right person. You, it is. It, it, it is. You got to keep for, at it. Yeah. We're what, so strong. People say, say that you're weak. That's the point of this book. I want, and I said that in my Kickstarter video, uh, we have this symbol. I have the anxiety symbol. It looks like an X with A's in it and it's red, you know, and it's the thing when anxiety talks, it's a symbol, mm-hmm. but you see, that's not, even though it's the symbol of when he talks, that's like a badge of honor to me because the fact that we have it means we're so strong. 
because people you it's not a weakness it's like a it's a symbol of how strong you are because an anxiety attack is horrible and the fact that you would pick yourself back up knowing it'll happen again yeah incredibly brave that is so it's just um that's the thing and and getting help is hard as hell yeah it really is and i still haven't found is, the right form you know, for me <laughs> And but you will, you know, you will, because, you know, in Maryland, I was fortunate enough to get one right away. But when I moved to, you know, the New York area, it was tougher. Strangely enough, it was much tougher. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I found somebody that's good. But you just got to keep at it because you got to remember it's so worth it, you know, Um, and you just got to surround yourself with people that will help support you. And, you know, look online. There's a lot of supportive things online. Everybody talks about the negative stuff, but there's so many great things out there. Like the mighty is good. They have great memes, you know, and there's conversations and like my site, um, we're doing stuff on there. Uh, We want to have a place for people to go where they can find support and know that you're not alone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's very important. And you're right. It is. it, it, It does show strength to you know, when you have anxiety and it kills me, you know, it really kills me when people are like, oh, you're faking it. Why would somebody, why would somebody want to live their life in that manner? Why would you choose that? But there are people, there are people who do choose to, but I'm afraid to be on an airplane. I would pick a better showier thing to fake other than, I'm having a panic attack on every flight I take. You know, it's crazy. Nobody, N- nobody. Yeah, I'm quest- not going to write a hundred page book about something, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if it makes people feel better, I hope that's a testament to it. I think they're just scared to admit that something like that can happen. They're they're afraid, and they don't do the research, and they're not, you know. But it's right. everybody's had anxiety, but this is a disorder where it's constant. Mm-hmm. Right. So I try to try to say if have you ever been nervous before a test. Okay, well, imagine that you're nervous over a test that's never going to happen, but it's mm-hmm. real, you know, and that's right. That's the like the easiest way for me or a test from <laughs> a test you took in like fourth grade and you're still embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. And it, when you when you when you have that feeling, it's like it's happening now. That's that's not you know, that's real. So it's crummy. And um, but I mean, I love you know, discussing it, finding out other people's experiences, because the more, you know, the more you talk about it, um, the more when it happens, you'll be like, it's okay. We talked about this. My friends talked about this, you know, it's like stopping the monster and that's Mm -hmm. what you have to do. You know, like a nightmare on Elm street, when you take away the power of Freddy Krueger turns back, that's what it all plays into. It's the same thing. Whenever you have this, you've got to, you got to stand up to it. Yeah. And there's, um, you were saying, like, you know, there's, you know, groups out there and there's people. There's also what really helped me. Um, there was this workbook that I went because I, I was struggling. I couldn't leave my house for a week. <laughs> I got to the point with my anxiety, like I couldn't go to work. I couldn't leave my bed. And if I stopped watching Disney movies, mm-hmm. like I felt like I couldn't breathe. It was like a week long panic attack, which ended up with me in the hospital, of course. This is back in the mm-hmm. day. But, um, uh, I realized, you know, that I had, that's when I got diagnosed and, you know, I actively started to work on because I, I didn't understand like why this was happening to me all of a sudden. You know, it started when I was seventeen years old, and um, right. 
so there's this workbook and I think it was just called like the anxiety workbook and it's – you. It, it, takes you step by step and it has you do like these different things and you write different things down. It actually really helped me to get a better grasp on my anxiety, how to handle it. You know, it just it, – it was very helpful um, for people that might not feel comfortable talking to other people yeah. about this. That something like that could work. I mean it helped me. I don't know if it would help other people but I definitely found it beneficial. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um. But yeah, so we're getting close um, to time here. Now, um, I know you've you've mentioned your website a couple of times. If people are looking, you know, to to get float, um, you know, just one more time, so that we make sure that everybody has the information. Um, what what was the name of the website that they should go to? Sure, it's yourglassceiling dot com. And when you go right to the front page, there's a store tab, and then you can just go right there, and it's exclusive through the site, and you pre-order it uh, real easily. We also have uh, patches, the anxiety patch, um, the symbol. You can put that on your hoodie or a hat, wherever you want. We also have stickers, and uh, we have the float album by Victor Guest that is based on the book. And uh, the album is really, really special. Um, we just got notes that the CDs are printed, so I'm very excited about that. Um, so I'm, I get to pick them up next week. I'm so excited. Uh, a big part of this was I wanted to get Victor, you know, a finished product because he's one of the greatest musicians I've ever had the chance to hear. So I'm so grateful that he joined me, you know, on this project. So if you go to yourglassceiling.com, you can get that. You can get that and pre-order it. And like I said, in October, they're all going to ship out. I am so excited. I'm. It's so weird to be excited to read a book about anxiety. I know it sounds it sounds really weird when I say it out loud, but you know, I think um, there are a lot of people that, you know, people who suffer from anxiety who probably are feeling the same way. I mean, it's good to know that you're not the only one out there right. who's suffering from it, and it's good to hear yeah. other people's experiences because it kind of validates that okay, maybe I'm not completely crazy, and if this person can get help or is getting help, or maybe this is how this person could cope, maybe there's a way for me. Right to me, that's exactly that's that's how I feel. It's hopeful, and yes. and people with anxiety need they need hope. So I think I am it's a beautiful. yeah, I'm a big proponent of hope. No matter what, and no matter how dark I can get, you know, and how men are depressed, or I still have that in my back of my mind. Hope, and that's why I don't give up. You know, and uh, I just want everybody. My life's not perfect. I think there's a lot of things with social media where we're very sensitive to that and we see these, you know, it's presented as perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my life's not perfect and I want to show that. And it's hard to do. Trust me, it's, it's very difficult to put yourself out there like that. But I thought it was so important to do, you know, and uh, you'll see, like, you haven't seen it in the preview yet, but you will see me in the book and you'll see uh, me laid, you know, bare, so to speak. And uh, I am nervous about that. I guess you could say I'm anxious about that, but um, I'm also (laughs) excited for you guys to see that. It's the biggest, uh, most personal thing I've ever done. Well, um, I'm I'm very proud of you because I think it takes it it takes a lot of gumption and it takes a lot of self awareness and and uh, 
testicular fortitude is maybe that the word that I'm looking for. Like to, Mick Foley, Mick Foley's word. Right, <laughs> right. Um, to to put yourself out there and, and to um, be willing to have this conversation, and I really appreciate it. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation today, and I I feel like I mean I've been friends with you on Facebook for I don't even know how long now, but I feel like now that we're talking, like I feel like I I have a better. I feel like I know you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe wow, not wholly, but I, I feel like, you know, it's it's good to actually talk and uh, to get these issues out there and, and, and in a cool way too. Graphic novels, beautiful thing. So, and I mean, the, <laughs> it's just, it looks beautiful. I mean, the art, obviously, it's just all around. And I know that Leah Letterman did the editing. Is that correct? Yes. She is a huge part of this. Uh, Leah is just, so special and um we actually did a live on the phone edit with shelly because shelly presented and I, I think it's one of the first times that's been done where she got to edit on the phone live with <laughs> shelly and um having Le- leah knows the rules of poetry like i'll write poetry but i didn't you know she went to school for it and she you know she knows all the rules there are rules and i wanted it to be real Right. You know, and she helped me make sure that we did that, you know, and she was a huge, a huge part of this. That's awesome. I've worked with Leah. She's she's an amazing editor. Hey, anybody out there looking for an, ed- an editor, you definitely want to hit up Leah. She's she is talented and her life story is amazing. Her kids stories about her kids are amazing, too. <laughs> yeah, poor woman. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> She's a warrior. I know. She truly is. She truly is. Well, thank you so much, Howie, for coming on the show. We really appreciate yes, it. Yes, it was really great talking to you. Yeah. We, this you know, this Thanks. was everything I hoped it would be. Oh, I was looking forward to this one. I was like, mm, Yeah. Yes. Like, some shows we get, like, we get really pumped up about, and this was definitely one of those shows. So um, if anybody wants to follow you on, like, uh, Twitter or Instagram or wherever you might be, um, you know, on Facebook or wherever, where can they uh follow you or find more information about you not stock but you sure, know uh, <laughs> yeah uh, on twitter it's at hc Knoll, so h-c-n-o-e-l like christmas um it's also howie Knoll on instagram and on facebook it's howie Knoll uh and hc Knoll. so if you just search through you'll find me you'll find me that way so it's usually uh i think uh, yeah yeah on facebook hc Knoll and howie Knoll. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you again so much. We're going to close up the show for this week. Um, we'll be back in two weeks, and then we are going to be on a hiatus um, in the month of – what? no, wait. Is it – yeah, October. We'll be we'll, – oh, wow. I'm in the wrong month here. Jeez. It's August. <laughs> it's August. It's not September yet. It's August. It's okay. <laughs> it, just, it just happened a couple of days ago. Uh, yeah, We're I only know. Only like five days in, I think. I know. It's still early. So, yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, so we will have a few more shows, and then we are going to be going um, on a hiatus um, in October. Uh, I'm going to have some – I have a surgery I have to do, and I won't – be able to be uh, available for the show, which I know it's going to be sad. We're going to miss you guys. But thank you all for tuning in today. Um, We've got a great show coming up in two weeks. We'll be back Saturday at 5, live from Podcast Detroit. And until then, keep it indie, guys. Bye.